Welcome to Ag Credit Set It. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from all parts of the agriculture industry to bring you insights and must-have information on all things from farming to finances and everything in between. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Ag Credit Set It. I'm here with the one and only Phil Young. Phil? How are we doing today? Good. How are you, sir? You know, it's winter time. You're, if you're a livestock farmer, you know, you know winter is just your most favorite time of the year. I'm sure. Oh, Between yes. mud to ice to cabin to frozen hoses, you know, it's just you who just do, who you, doesn't you, love draining hoses? You know, you winter, just sit back you know? and think, you know, this is why I do this. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, hey, today we're talking how to buy land at an auction. You know, that's probably in the last couple of years with all the dirt we've seen come onto the market. That's been a huge part for us. So today we actually have a uh, one of our special guests with us, Kelly Guthrie. She is one of our commercial credit analysts for Ag Credit. Kelly, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So Kelly, before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background and how you became to be part of Ag Credit. Yeah, so I grew up in Marion County on a small livestock farm and was active in 4-H and FFA, went to Ohio State, and got into lending after college. Um, Been in lending for nine years and currently work on our agribusiness team out of Norwalk office. So Kelly, um, what we're going to kind of dive into today, how to buy land at auction. And it's kind of great, we can get the credit analyst perspective on this because Sometimes I'm sure you uh, always have questions when the account officer sends you something, you're like, what are these guys sending me? And <laughs> just for all our listeners out there, the our credit analyst team, they're really the backbone of what we do. They, they're they, the number crunchers. They're yeah. the number crunchers. They're yeah. the ones that give us the green light, hey, this is going to work, or we'll come up with maybe different options that we didn't think of as account officers. So that's one of the great things that we have built into our team is just those different dynamics that at the end of the day, we hope we can get the farm bought and make a loan that's going to fit the operation. So Phil, what is the first thing we should do if, if I'm a member, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm a beginning yep. farmer, let's say I'm a beginning farmer, there's 40 acres that I seen an auction sign go up for by my grandpa's. What do I need to do to get ready go try and buy that farm. Yeah. I, I think the first one, even if you're slightly interested in it, right, you maybe have 50% interest, but uh, that interest could grow. I would say contact your lender, you know, and, and a lot of the ground, uh, one of the things that auctioneers I hear say all the time is, you know, this piece of dirt is probably going to only be up for sale once in your lifetime. And, and so, uh, you know, oh, be prepared, you know, as the saying goes. So uh, contact your lender. If you don't have a lender, start searching for one. Um, obviously, ag credit is a great one to get it, get a hold of. Um, but contact your lender and they'll walk you through the steps of maybe uh, getting that, getting pre-approved to, to buy that dirt. And, and, and the great thing is every auction that we have, Matt, we probably have, I don't know, five, six people that are interested in that piece of ground. And so uh, even if you're just a little bit interested, contact them, send them stuff um, and do it in a timely manner. Don't wait till, you know, the, the last day to do it, but, but contact them. That just gives you so time. So it's 24 to, hours, 48 hours before the auction, right? Uh, maybe a little longer, <laughs> slightly longer. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, yeah, and 
And we always say, you know, a couple weeks before is that great timeline, but that just gives you time to, to gather your information, depending on how large or small your operation doesn't really matter. It just gives you that time to, to gather tax returns, balance sheets. And Kelly, I think you may jump into this here a little bit and chat what that is, but, and just explore your options. Maybe you're a first time borrower and you just really don't even know what options are out there to, to do a loan. Um, you can kind of explore the terms and, and programs that are out there. Um, and, and there's just maybe a lot going on. So it just kind of helps avoid application delays and you don't want to uh, get started on an application and then not get pre-approved because, because there just was delays in the process, which doesn't happen to really a lot, but it's just good to kind of try to avoid that. Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, one that you said exactly, Phil is, you know, do your homework, be yep. prepared for this. Mm-hmm. So when we collect this information, we get a balance sheet, we get tax returns. We kind of get some estimates on, you know, crop production yields, what we're looking at this farm. We get this all to our credit analyst. Kelly, what are you going to do with this mess of paperwork we just tossed you? Well, when you when it comes to making that call with the lender, they're probably going to ask for, hey, can you send me your tax returns, at least probably three years, and a current balance sheet. We like to have a 1231 balance sheet, but something current to reflect those um, assets and liabilities. And then if there's any historical balance sheets that you could provide to just provide some trends for us, your historical crop production, or if you're raising livestock, you know, what your size and scale and how many head you've been raising or selling each year in marketing, um, just to help us put together that picture. And as we dig into the numbers, when it comes to what we're looking for on the credit side, our first main driver is probably going to be the earnings. So we're going to look at your historical income streams and see what your current debt load is and see how you're able to service that debt, how much margin you have left after you service the principal and interest payments, family living, and taxes. And that's where that three years of tax return history really comes in to help us paint that picture, mm-hmm. correct? For sure. So looking back on uh, 2019, I a little hesitant to say 2019 around here in Northwest <laughs> Ohio, but um, you know that was a bad year. And so try to uh, normalize what a normal year of crop um, earnings would look like. So, you know, tag in, let's look at 2020, 2021. Um, Sometimes we might even go longer, but typically looking at the last three years. And then to go off of that, we're going to do a projection. So looking at current crop prices and working on a budget for what those expenses are going to be. A lot of times we work with OSU's extension budgets to put together what the year's going to project for us on what that margin's going to be to service your debt load. And I think one thing that we talk about those projections too, and Kelly, you can uh, go on this a little bit if you want. The OSU uh, projection budgets, and if we utilize even a lot of times FSA pricing as well, may not reflect the current high prices that we're seeing in the market right now, but it's that average. And I think one thing that we can always pride ourselves on is, you know, we want to tailor this product, this loan to the best fit for the operation. What I like to say is, don't yeah, you've got you got a special yeah, saying for it's, this? Uh, yeah. You know, don't base long term lending on twelve month projection on short term money. You, you look you look at our markets right now, extremely good markets. For the next three years, we can you know lock in if you uh, you know play the markets on the grain side at least. There's some good money to lock in. We're doing a twenty year note, say generally on real, real estate twenty years. So, am I going to have them prices for that twenty years? Uh, likely not. So yeah, going back to that average on on prices, on yield, like to factor that in. Um, going back to that long-term note, whether it's the 20 or 25-year term loan, 
just looking at that average helps us, and that's what we use on the credit side uh, to make those decisions when it comes down to it. And then when it comes to the balance sheet, looking at that existing debt load, looking at what are we going to be able to pre-preview on the loan amount, what that new loan's going to look like on that structure, and how you're going to service that, and looking at different options there. So, can you uh, and for and for those that maybe don't know what a balance sheet is, can you kind of walk us through what that is and you know what's on it? Yeah, so the balance sheet is a snapshot of a snapshot in time of your assets and liabilities, basically what you own and what debt or payables you have um, and need to service at that snapshot in time. So we look at, um, we break the balance sheet into four quarters. There's current assets, inventories, prepaid expenses, cash positions, uh, accounts receivable, and current assets. Then we look at current liabilities. So liabilities due in the next 12 months, they might be for the farm operation, the line of credit. They might be prepaids um, at the co-op or payables. And it's also going to include principal due in the next 12 months. Then we look at long-term assets. That's assets that have a longer useful life, such as real estate, farm machinery and equipment, breeding livestock, investments, or non-ag property. And then to mirror that, we'll look at long-term liabilities. So those liabilities that are longer than 12 months. So if you have term debt on machinery and equipment, term debt on a home or farmland, that's where those will be. So you got the four corners of the balance sheet and that's how your lender's going to look at it uh, when you provide provide those listings for them. The one thing, and, and speaking of special sayings you had one a moment ago, it's, it, they always like to say that in simplest terms, it's it's what you own and it's what you owe is kind of a great way to kind of summarize a balance sheet. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I know, Phil, when we're sitting down with the members and you know, fill out a balance sheet, a lot of times for the first time with new members, there's a lot of pieces we'll be going through that if you've never done a balance sheet before, you may not think of putting on um, when it comes to personal vehicles, um, equipment, and people say, well, yeah, but you're, I'm, I'm buying land. You're not, you're not taking that as collateral. Well, you're exactly right. But this shows us that true net worth when we can list all your assets, put a value to them versus your liabilities. So that's one thing. Work with your lender and don't be afraid to list things on your balance sheet. It is, it is exactly what Kelly said. It's that snapshot in time. We want to know that your current net worth, and that helps us base a lot of things going forward. And also we do that 1231 balance sheet. We can do that repeatedly every year. It makes the CAs happy for one because they can start setting. And Phil, you're always good at this. Start setting that trend data for long-term lending, that long-term relationship mm-hmm. that we're wanting to build with you. And, and the best thing to do, you know, is either sit down with your lender and walk, go through it from scratch with your lender, just to kind of make sure you get everything, or you do it yourself and then pop in and sit down with your lender and, and kind of go over it together. Um, that always helps me just ask clarifying questions. And then nine times out of 10, somebody forgot something on the asset side that's really going to help them out. And it's really going to show their true net worth. Uh, And so that's always helpful to do. And one thing is the lender that we like to do is build that trend. So I've got a few customers that each year they want to come in and say, okay, what did my balance sheet do? How much earnings did I retain? What's my net worth? And how did I improve my balance sheet? And that's one way to start is just that meeting with the lender and providing the info up front. We're uh, happy to do that and willing to work with you to start the trend analysis as well. So Kelly, you know, since you're more on our agribusiness side, you know, when we look at balance sheets, 
does balance sheets really change from a personal to a business or do we kind of look at still that same information really? It's just maybe bigger numbers. I mean, is there, is there a huge difference from a personal balance sheet to a business side or is it kind of, you know, you still look at that current assets, current liabilities, long-term stuff? Um, there's some similarities, I would say. It's still the the core concepts of current assets, current liabilities, long-term assets, long-term debt. Looking at that equity position in the balance sheet, looking at the working capital and liquidity on the top side of the balance sheet. I would say there's heavy emphasis placed on, we're getting more into, when you look at the businesses, the inventory, the AR days, how they're able to turn that, how they're able to finance the inventory AR and operate more as a business versus personal. You might have some assets in there that are, you've got cash and savings positions, some investments, might have a rental property, might have some assets that aren't directly tied to the farm. And so that's probably where they're going to vary the most at. Gotcha. And I guess depending on, regionally, I've seen while working at Ag Credit here that there's a lot of farming operations that have just their individual mom and mom, you know, mom and dad or husband and wife kind of structure, husband, wife, son. Um, and then you get, we just got down talking about LLCs. Are, are operating agreements important? Do you need to see that for, for kind of doing approvals and stuff? Yeah, it's always great to provide more detail up front. So if you do have uh, several entities or a farm entity, providing any of the operating agreements, corporation docs up front for your lender. And that's going to help us determine who's signing on the note and how your operation truly works. A lot of times I'll see they'll have an equipment entity, a trucking entity, the farm production entity, and then they might have some entities for land. And so just seeing that full picture of how everything ties together and works, great to provide that info up front. So kind of taking that next uh, step here, we've got you all the information. You've done what we call in our term, spreading the loan. We got, hey, this is, this is the package that we've came up with. These are the terms we think that'll work. Right at, as we get that done, goes back to the account officer, and then we're going to sit down with you as the member, and we're going to kind of come up with the game plan. You know, what are we going to do here? So we're going to dive right into that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you on Ag Credit Set It. Do you need help getting started with your farm operation? Our Ag Start loan program was designed with beginning farmers in mind, offering discounted fees, lower down payments, and extended terms. We all start somewhere. Start here with an Ag Start loan from Ag Credit. Visit agcredit.net to find a branch near you. Hey guys, and we're back. So getting uh, back here, you know, we're looking at the game plan. So kind of to recap, Phil, we've met with that member. Yep. We've collected all the financial data. Kelly, we've had you put everything in and build this package for us. We're ready to sit back down with that member and kind of come up with that game plan to go to that auction. Guys, why is a game plan important when we're going into an auction? An auction, I've been to many of them, is kind of a high-stress environment, or it can be. You know, It can be very emotional it, at Very times emotional, too. yeah. Uh, and so you want to have a game plan. You want to know kind of what your, your what we call kind of your trigger price or kind of what that, that number is and, and really know what you, your lender and you have come up with, what's a good number for your operation to kind of spend on that farm. So because uh, you can kind of get antsy, you can – see a lot of people there. You can, you know, you just got the emotion of wanting that piece. Maybe it's close to your farm. And, and like the auctioneer always says, this piece is probably only going to be for sale once in a lifetime. So um, it's good to know that game plan 
and so you don't kind of what I say color outside the lines, you know, <laughs> uh, and you got to kind of just stick to it. And so, Kelly, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that or not. Yeah, and I would say the timeline. So I like yeah. to see and know the details up front. If if I'm going to go into a a large purchase or make a large decision like that, is knowing that timeline. So going to the auction, and then what happens after that auction? What's it take to get to the closing table, working with my lenders? Who all I need to be in contact with is another piece that your lender is going to help you and walk you through as well. So I think one big thing when we start going to auctions, and for a lot of people that have not been to one, there's a lot of terminology that you may not know going into this. When we talk, you know, for one, a big one for me is when we, uh, and usually we'll talk about this with the member. And that's one thing I always got to emphasize again to all our listeners is find that lender and build that relationship. We are there to help you and answer these questions and have you prepared for this. So, you know, one thing we talk about is earnest money, money down. Generally with every auction I've ever been to, they require some type of money down or earnest money that night of the sale, depending. And it all varies on if it's a set price or if it's a percentage. Phil, when we, if I say, Hey, Phil, I need earnest money. What, what am I, what am I asking for? Yeah. So every auction kind of has their own terms. Um, and so it's really good to, to kind of read through the terms of that auction. There's various auction companies out there. So, uh, but yeah, earnest money is a part of it. Uh, so that's one of those terms when you, if you are the winning bid at auction, there's going to be a requirement for you to cut a check at the end of the night. So that earnest money typically is about 10%. So you're going to look, look about, you know, whatever you, whatever you end up spending on that, that farm, you're going to have to cut a check for 10% that night. Um, and so just be prepared for that, that, you know, it's not a, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it and we'll figure it out later type situation. It is that you're going to have to throw down some cash that night. So just being prepared mentally to, to kind of write that check. And, and that's something, like I said before, that we already have those figures in our loan presentation to you as the member, we've already had yep. your earnest money figured in that if we do get this farm bought, this is what we're going to have down all of our projections. Mm-hmm. And the question I get a lot is, is that a part of my kind of quote unquote down payment? You know, like when you do the loan, you know, different lenders have different, different requirements on, on how much they'll lend per, per value of, of the parcel you're buying. So that, that is a part of it. You know, that is a part of that, that down payment. So, you know, other terms we can hear start tossing around sale. And I think it happens in today's market more when we start looking, if there's a multiple farms, as I call it, or parcels selling on a sale, they start talking, Hey, we're ready for a combo bid, a whole bid, you know, individual, you know, they start talking, with the combo stuff, um, it can get very confusing quick. Now, that's one thing I always say, you know, take notes, pay attention, because you can get lost pretty quick. But, you know, work with those ringmen that are out there working the floor. They will answer your questions. But when they talk combo bids, so, you know, generally, let's just use, for example, we have a, we have a, we're going to sell the farm tonight, and there's four fields, there's four parcels on this farm. Generally, they will go through, depending how the auction is structured, They'll sell each one of those farms off individually. And then they will not necessarily sell them, but they'll lock in that bid. Then they'll say, hey, anybody want to put a combo of one and three together or one and two? That's where the fun starts happening. I Auctions are very entertaining, but they, they're, like Phil said, they're a high-stress environment. So that's where they'll start putting, you know, putting two parcels together, which may bring more money and knock out your original uh, winning bid holders. And then you can also have a guy come in and say, I want everything. I want all four parcels. He'll put a bid in just high enough to get into first place. Then that's where it'll go back then to 
they'll go back to the combo bid people and say, do you want to up your price to get back in first place with this or back to the individual stuff? And it's a back and forth game. But one thing, guys, take notes and just pay attention because you can get lost quick on this stuff. Like I said, that's where the, the ring men are out there to help. And most auction companies now, they do a very good job of, you know, having uh, TV screens or uh, big screens up showing you where everything's at and where the next bid needs to be. But, uh, you know, a lot of that just, you know, just paying attention. So then, you know, after that, then we'll have a generally a purchase. If you are the winning bid afterwards, they'll have a purchase agreement, um, a buyer, uh, you know, a winning bidders packet for you to sign. Phil, I know you as a lender, a lot of times like to beat the auction, support our members. Mm -hmm. So your member just got the winning bid. Kind of what's, what's the next step uh, after that? As soon as they drop the old hammer. Yep. As they drop the hammer, the, the next, the best thing is, is uh, either, you know, if I'm there, I'll come up and talk to you. But the ne- if I were not there, for, if your lender's not there, is, is to probably shoot them a text message or give them a call. Um, let them know that you are the winning bid. And, and as soon as you're able to per- provide that purchase agreement to your lender, that kind of lets us know what's next. What are the terms? What are the, the, the terms of buying it? Um, because but- as you say, the clock is starting at yeah, that that's, point. That, that's why we always stress contact your lenders as soon as you're interested in a property um, because there, there is a timetable on it. It's not a, it's a close when you, it's not a shrug your shoulders, close when you close type thing. It's a, it's a clock. And, and, and more often than not, it's, it's 30 days uh, and, and depending on what it is, but I've seen up to 45 days or, or even 60 days sometimes, but I would say generally it's that 30 day clock. And so there's, there's quite a few things that have to happen in that 30 days to be able to close. And and one of those is title work on the property, doing a a title search to make sure it's clear an appraisal um, and and really just time for your lender to to gather all those things. What can happen and hopefully it doesn't happen is maybe there's a title issue that that spurs up or pops up and then it's got to give time for, for things to get cleared up. and, And maybe there's, you know, we've seen everything from, uh, maybe a tax lien issue or, uh, you know, an ownership change issue, something like that, or an LLC issue. Um, and generally those aren't the case, but they can happen. And, and so it just kind of gives us time to, to kind of get everything cleared up and closed. So Phil, I guess one thing I kind of was just thinking, and I know as lenders, this tends to, this, this has happened before. Example, I am your member. You told me I can spend up to $7,000 an acre to buy this farm. I got the winning bid at $7,500 an acre. You did. So, <laughs> Mr. Lender, did I do a bad thing? Uh, I would say from the – it's a tough, it's a tough one, Matt. Uh, and, and, and we're did ju- you, let me ask – I'm going to answer your question with a question. Did you follow the game plan, Matt? Well, you know, sometimes the game plan has to change to get the win, right? And guys, we're joking about this, but I think you just answered my question with a question (laughs) with a question. (laughs) And guys, we're joking about this, but this is, this is something that has happened uh, before. And Phil, what, what's your advice to the member, I guess, before we get to this point? Yeah. I mean, what we just talked about, it's following that game plan and that game plans in place for a reason. And it could be multiple reasons. It could be you know, that cash down requirement. Maybe there's just, you just don't have enough cash that to, to fill that requirement of the, of the cash down. Maybe you do, but it's going to make your operation tight, you know, for the next couple of years. Uh, maybe there's a collateral issue where you just don't have enough value and collateral to make that deal happen. And secondly, maybe it's a cash flow issue. It's like, you know, it doesn't feel like a lot of money when you're like, well, I went for only $500 over. Well, it's 500 times how many acres you have right. uh, that you just bought. And so, uh, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you've now, 
you're, you're heel footed and your operations heel footed, uh, because you kind of made an emotional decision in the moment. And, and so that's why it's always important to have that game plan because it, it's not a, uh, a random thing. It, it typically it's there for a reason. We've, we've put a lot of thought into that game plan for you yeah. that this is the best case scenario for this. And, and, and like you said, it's not one-sided. It's, 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 it's the, it's your, it's our game plan. Yes. It's not yes. the lender's game plan. It's our game plan. Uh, and so we try to have that structure just to kind of, to kind of protect both sides. Right. We, and, and, and plus we don't want to have to go back to Kelly and then she yells at us, throws things at us, you know, tells us boys, <laughs> why did you do this? She's been known to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to kind of go off of that, my response would be, okay, what options do we have how can we make this work? We understand that, you know, this is a very important purchase for you to, to bid that amount. But what options do we have? Is there additional farm income to be gained or um, off-farm income even? Or is there an asset sale that can help with a down payment? Uh, just look at knowing your options ahead of time if you're going to go to that loan that amount and uh, have it ready to talk with your lender after that. And that, that truly goes back to that relationship building that you want to have with your lender, whether it be with ag credit or, you know, another lending institution. So since we're kind of having the fun here now saying, you know, kind of the do's and don'ts of uh, more than, I guess, the don'ts at an auction, you know, I think one thing we need to really stress is, you know, how soon to get in contact with your, your lender again. I mean, it's, I want to say, we can work miracles, but boy, if you give us, you know, that 30 day window, it sure is a lot less stress and we can take, I, I would say tailor that package better for you having that. Now on the, on the other hand of that, I do know is this fast paced environment, especially with auctions. We have seen some quick auctions come. Right. I, I where, would say, I, I just got notified of one here recently where it was, it was announced at the beginning of the month and it's on happening on the 22nd. So that's 22 days you yeah. know, before the actual auction happens. So, so we understand that yeah. as lenders, that there are certain, and then we, we, we will do everything in our power to make sure we have you prepared for that, that sale. So guys, we're kind of talking about the, uh, the don'ts at an auction. Any other ones that you guys can think of to you know, bring up to the the, the listening crowd out yeah, there. Yeah, the one the one that pops in my head, uh, and it's happened to me a couple times, and luckily we were able to to kind of make make magic happen is is going to an auction, uh, buying the ground, and, the, and then the next day having that initial conversation with your lender. Well, what's wrong uh, with that? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't, yeah. No, uh, seems it sounds like seems a good plan right. to me. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, yeah, there's, there's, there's some nerve wracking things. We've kind of, we've kind of circled a lot of those reasons is, is the clock starts. That's the big one, right? So the clock starts, maybe only have 30 days to close the loan. Uh, and you're in a situation where you, maybe you haven't taken a loan out in five or 10 years and you haven't updated your financials. So that clock starts and you've got to, you've got to get your tax returns around. You've got to do a balance sheet. You got to maybe update, you've started entities. And so you got to get your entity information to your lender. Uh, and so that just takes time to do. And you're a busy person already. You're far, you're in farming season. Maybe you're getting ready to start planting. And now you have to uh, stop what you're doing and get all that financial information around. So um, like I said, I, I've i had it happen a couple times. Um, and it, we've been able to pull it off. But, but the nervous thing is, is maybe maybe you can't get pre-approved. Maybe maybe things maybe it's not a good decision for your operation. Or maybe mm -hmm. it's things are tight. Yeah. So I would try to avoid doing that at all costs just because um, there's just – you want to make sure that you meet the requirements of the contract and you don't want to have to maybe right. go back on that, that purchase contract and, and kind of maybe look silly at the, at the end of it. So definitely, definitely don't, don't buy land and then call your lender. <laughs> 
Well, Kelly, do you want to kind of go through and kind of maybe just kind of recap for uh, everybody out there the, the don'ts on uh, what we don't want to do in an auction real quick? Yeah, sure, Matt. So the overbidding in auction, sticking to that game plan, not going above your pre-approved loan amount in price per acre. Next would be having enough time to get that lender um, notified of the upcoming auction, giving them time to prepare um, a game plan for you. Then it would be, okay, making the call up front and not after the auction, as Phil just talked about. And then lastly is making sure we have a sufficient amount of down payment, making sure that we know where we're sitting financially and how that down payment is going to work for your operation. Definitely. And one thing I guess we forgot to kind of bring up here, guys, I do want to put a little, uh, you know, I feel one of the great programs that we have as Ag Credit is our Ag Start program. And what that is, um, to anybody that doesn't know, you know, it, it just, a, we have a program we have basically designed for first time farmers. It, we're able to utilize, um, some different ways we look at things. Um, we have some special programs. And one, we work very closely with the uh, Farm Service Agency. So a lot of times our Ag Start programs, we will you know, tie into a different loan program or possibly even a direct loan partnership with FSA. There's just a lot of great things that we can do as your lender for that beginning operation. Yep. And, and some of those, yeah, to kind of highlight some of those, one of them is extended loan terms. So maybe it's it's taking that loan out um, over, you know, a typical loan terms, 20 years on farm real estate. Maybe it's taken out at 24, 25 mm-hmm. years. Um, the other great thing too is um, we're able to, to waive some of our ag credit fees in, involved with kind of a real estate closing. So you still have to maybe pay for title work and stuff like that. But um, a lot of times we're able to waive the appraisal fee and maybe origination um, to kind of help cut down on those closing costs. Uh, and number three is is um, we have kind of some underwriting standards that we look at, and we know that you're a beginning operation. We know that um, you're not going to have the same financial metrics that a really mature operation has. So we're able to kind of um, maybe relax some of those typical standards we have for for someone who's just starting out. Yeah, that's great, Phil. And you know, there's just when we look at the Ag Start program, I always kind of look at it as that you know sustaining ag for the next generation because. With mm-hmm. higher prices, um, you know, come higher prices. So to get an operation going now, it's 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 a very unique situation. And that's where, again, I think we come in as lenders that, you know, we'll try and build that package to make it the – what we want to see, I always, you know, we got that first farm bought. I want to see this operation succeed for the long run. So, and that's that's where we come in and really try and help you every step of the way on stuff. I think that kind of we're getting close to the old the old time here, and that's going to kind of wrap it up for this episode of Ag Credit Set. It Kelly, want to thank you very much for being with us today. If you guys uh, have any questions on what we talked about today, feel free to uh, reach out to your local branch if you're in our area. And uh, any information, um, be sure to look us up on our website agcredit.net. And always be sure to tell all your friends and listen to. Ag Credit Setup Podcast on all your listening platforms. And we'll catch you next time on another great episode of Ag Credit Set It. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Set It. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave us a review to help others find the show. Let's talk ag in between episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag Credit. 
For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net.